Um, it's interesting because uh, we've been doing a couple couple weeks. We've been doing a small group, and uh, I said it in the men's small group last week. It's a collective deep breath. Just a okay. Let's get. Let's just take in the middle of the week. I need it myself personally, and uh, but we. I was like, hey, what's what's your guys' topic of your guys' study? And she's talking about storms. It's hilarious because that was already I already printed it, and I've I I've been going through Mark over the last three months. And I, I went through my Bible and I went, okay, this is a story that I do not want to miss. So I started in my Bible. If you ever read, like, you guys like underline your Bible sometimes. I just put a star next to the story and I said, do not skip. Because everyone faces stuff that is so important. How are you going to allow your storms to bring you? Are you going to make it so you're actually being a better individual, like a more Christ honoring person? Or are you going to allow your storm to make you bitter? How many of us have ever known bitter people? How many of you guys are bitter people? Don't. <laughs> I've known people, I've been there where they, the people have dealt with so much stuff, junk, crud, uh, whatever you want to call it. They've been pressed so hard that by the end of that whole pressing period that they're just mad. They're just mad individuals. And I, I pray that that would be none of us because you are going to face storms. And so I want you to think about the storms, you guys who raised your hand. If you're, if you're facing a storm right now, I want you to think about that specific situation right now. Like, as, as difficult as it is, I want you to face it right now. How does it make you feel? Does it make you feel anxious? Does it make you feel angry? Does it make you feel nervous? Scared? Does it make you upset at God? Or whoever's, you know, because I've had people and maybe even myself said, God, you let this happen. You could have taken this away. You could have protected this. You could have saved that individual. This person died. This person, my marriage fell apart and you could have made it better. And we try to blame God. And the reality is he allows us to go through storms for a reason. And I've, I've heard it said since the day I was a Christian that God never wastes a hurt, right? He never lets you go through a hurt and go, okay, that's about it. You just, you got hurt. You got punished or whatever, or you feel like you got punished or you went through a storm. I'm so glad I sat here and watched you and now you're done with it. And he's like, okay, that's it. No, he will always lead you through a storm for a purpose, for a reason. And so, um, I grew up with a great family. My parents were not perfect. Any, any perfect parents in this room or grandparents, right? Or, you know, perfect parents, probably not, but my parents are great. They, they, um, they forced me to go to church, go to church at 16 years old. And, uh, um, my, my mom and dad, they made sure, at least at the very beginning of our Christian faith, where we all gave our life to Christ, that ma- they made sure, hey, are you reading your Bible? They made sure I was in that, in, involved in that, you know, hey, hey, uh, have you, you know, we have this, uh, back in the old days, we had these cassettes, these tapes, right? Have, have you have you been worshiping God? They they made sure they kept me accountable, at least at the very beginning of my walk with God. And I thank God for that. My mom was wonderful at that because um, we were in the we were kind of Christian. That my mom made me get rid of all my non Christian music. Anybody else there? Right? I had to throw away everything, tapes and CDs, and if I was old enough, records and eight tracks. And but I didn't have any eight tracks. My dad did. But get rid of all that. Get rid of Creedence Clearwater, that garbage. She was into that, right? Throwing it away. Now, I look back and go, man, I could have a bunch of CDs right now. CDs are out. But, man, I could have a bunch of Creedence Clearwater and, and Steve Miller Band and all that kind of stuff. But my mom made me get, like, burn it, right? It was a big thing in the 90s. 
And, uh, but I thank God for that because it jump-started my faith. It really did. Um, then in 2016, I've shared this a million times. I apologize. So if you want to roll your eyes, you can. But in 2016, in February, I was at work, and Lydia comes in, and she's, like, been crying, obviously. And I said, hey, what's up? No, i got to tell you outside. No, I'm in the middle of work. Why don't you just tell me? You know, how big of a deal can it be? Your mom's dead. I don't think she said it that way. But your, mom, your mom's gone. I'm like, what do you mean? And she, brain aneurysm, gone. I didn't even prepare my heart for it. And that was back in 2016. And I share that not as another reminder, but as we, I went home early. She drove me home, and I sat in my chair. I remember right. And I just sat there for a minute. But as I'm looking back at that moment, I know, I know, I know, I know that Jesus carried me through my storm. I'm not just saying that because it makes a good point in this sermon. I 100% guarantee that God carried me through the storm. I kind of looked up on Google on a picture, and, and uh, that's how I felt. Because in that picture, you can't see it because the picture is not good quality, but it's a storm right there. The cross is on the storm right there. The waves are crashing. The guy can't even stand on his own two feet. And Jesus is there embracing him. I, I can't stress enough that that's how I felt during that time. And, you know, 2016 and now, it's, a, it's been a while. And, and I've made my peace with it. I wouldn't wish my mom back. I, I hope I don't, miss, I don't forget her voice. But, and it's going to be a long time till I see her again unless the Lord comes back or I, I fall dead right here. I have no idea. I hope not. But um, I am walking proof in my life that you can have peace in a storm, that you can have peace that goes beyond all human understanding, that you don't have to understand every little thing. You don't have to go, now what am I going to do? Now I lost this, or I lost this finances, or I lost this job. Now what do I do? You don't have to pick up all the pieces yourself to figure out what you're going to do. You simply have to just go, Lord, I trust in you. Would you guide me through this storm? And not only Jesus, but you take a few people and you say, I need you to pray for me. I need you to walk with me through this because I can't do this alone. I feel I, my, 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 my legs feel all like jello and I can't do it myself. I need someone to hold my arms up like Moses lifting up his arms. I need someone like Aaron to hold up my arms for me because I can't do it on my own. That's what will take us through uh, the storms of our life. Now, the interesting thing about this story, it's there is an example of Jesus calming storms in every gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This specific story, because they did it more once, because sometimes he has to repeat his he has to repeat to his disciples what's going on. But this specific story is is actually verbatim in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So each of the authors of the gospel said, You gotta know this story. And so that's why I think, in my opinion, Mark chapter four, verse thirty-five through forty-one is required reading. It all is. But if you're a Christian, or you're watching online, you're not a Christian, and you're just kind of, or you're struggling with your faith. This chapter, this story is vital. You have to read it because it tells you exactly who God is. Okay, does God, is God taken by surprise by anything in your life? The answer to that through this story is absolutely not. He's not taken by surprise in your life whatsoever. And if you're taking if you're going through like a storm and your your life, there's like a storm, a brewing, you can look ahead of you in your life, you're going, I can feel a storm coming. Or you're almost to the tail end of the storm. 
Jesus wants you to know that he will be with you through the storm. He's not waiting on the other side of the storm saying, come here. He's actually in the storm with you. And he's walking you through. And he will take you out, but sometimes you're there longer than you want. That's a guarantee. And so what I love about this topic is to get real with you. Storms are, are, are a normal part of your everyday experience in a Christian life. I've had people say, I've had churches I've overheard and their belief system is if you're going through a trial right now, it's something that you have done. Now, let me be honest. Sometimes our own sin causes trials and tribulations and storms that we, we did ourselves. Okay. But I'm talking about those storms that they just show up on. You don't invite them in. You, they, there's no warning. Like you're driving and all of a sudden there's this tornado that just goes, since you watch the tornado videos, right? You, you're just driving along and all of a sudden this tornado, or maybe more relevant to this area, you're driving along and a deer just goes right and hits you. You don't have any warning, right? That's what storms are like. And that is not, that a wrong thinking is, well, I did something. I deserve it. Maybe your marriage is falling apart right now. Maybe you have kids that don't talk to you. Maybe you don't have enough finances. Maybe right now you got a horrible doctor report or there is something, maybe you're related to someone or you have a friend that they said, I don't have long to live. And you're in the middle of a battle right now in your heart, in your mind. Right now, there's anxiety. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us deal with anxiety? Okay, you don't have to be alive for that long to deal with anxiety. I could say, oh, I don't deal with it. But that moment I say it, it creeps in. Maybe not even creeps in, it's there. Like, I think it's a little, it's a little slow little slug that's like, no, I'm to, it's in there. Like, the, the anxiety shows up because the devil's a liar. And so here's what I've been praying for all week, since Monday till now. I've been praying for anyone in this room right now that's dealing with something that's causing you to stay up at night, you're anxious, you're upset, you're stressed out. You're, how many like to be stressed out? No, I hate it. Financial stress. Relational stress, marital stress, uh, life stress, doctor report stress, you, you know, and I've had, and as a pastor, I've dealt with a lot of funerals and I hate funerals. I hate funerals of my closest friends too. I've done funerals of people I, 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 I knew. And we can celebrate there in heaven, of course. I'm not, I don't want to pretend I don't celebrate that. But like, this is my friend here. This is my friend that's no longer here. But what do we do with that stress? What do we do with that anxiety? What do we do with the trial? What do we do when we're in the middle of it and it will not go away? Because we're all, I guess we've lived that life where we pray, God, please take away this. Please take away that. And it's still there, right? A year later, right? 15 years later, right? I mean, let's be honest. Right, Some of us are dealing with stuff that won't go away and we've been praying for it and seeking God for it. And what are we going to allow those things to happen? What are we going to do when they do show up? Are we going to allow that to cause us to get so angry that we're not worth anything? We're just like so mad at the world. We're mad at God. We're mad at us. We're mad at our whoever, family members. We're mad at the mayor. We're mad at this person. We're mad at the president. We're mad at this. We're mad at everything. And if we could define our life, we're just angry. Because of what we've dealt with, my, my prayer is, is a huge prayer. That you would not allow 
just stuff in your life, even if you've been praying for stuff for years that had not changed, that you would not let that be an excuse to be angry. I pray that you would have God's peace. I pray that this would be reality. I'd like to see the guy's face. I, th I think that he's got snot all over his face. I, I think that he's been crying all night. I think that he doesn't know what he's going to do. All he knows, I've got to embrace Jesus. And i got to hold on for dear life because I don't know what to do. Now, we've all been in that situation, right? Not one of us has gone, you know what? Every single time I've gone through a tri trial and tribulation, I've known exactly what to do. No. There's things that we experience that we have no clue what we're dealing with. And so here's a wrong belief. If you have it, I hope none of us believe this. I don't think so. But if you have enough faith, you will not face trials. Try telling that to Job. We read as a family at the beginning of the year, Job. That was the hard book to read as a family. Because it takes this belief and it destroys it. Because it's, what it, what did it, the one word it used for Job that God said, he is what? Blameless. If God didn't say it, I wouldn't believe that. Because I don't believe that. How can anyone be blameless? God said it. Have you considered my, he talks to, God's talking to the devil. Have you considered my servant Job? He's blameless, correct? That's what Job says. If you haven't read Job, it is, it's, couple chapters of him losing everything, even though he was blameless, a bunch of friends going, this is what I would do in this situation. And they're lying. They're wrong. And at the very end, God shows up finally. And he says, this is what I'm going to do in your life. And he brings restoration. But try to tell that to Job, that if you have enough faith, if you give enough tithes, if you, you know, give you know, if you want to go, you watch TV and they have the little miracle water and you give like $100 or they give you like a little video. Or, and I've given to that ministry. I, I should be okay now. That's a wrong, wrong belief. Try telling it to Joseph. He was a little proud. He's prideful. Guess what? You're going to bow down to me. Be like, keep that to yourself. But he wasn't wrong. Like, we, he, they needed him. But then they sell him to slavery, throw him into prison, not doing anything wrong. Because the, the Potiphar, Potiphar's wife said, he, he was taking advances to me. And they go, okay, I'm throwing him into prison. If you have enough faith, you will not face trials. That is wrong. Here's the real truth. God will strengthen your faith during the storms. But let me caution you here. Like I said earlier, and it's a very big cliche. God, storms will either make you bitter or better. And I'm praying for your heart. I'm praying for my heart that God would strengthen my faith throughout the storm. I've met people who are heroes of the faith. And one of the reasons why I look up to them and go, wow, they're amazing people. And, and I worship God because of their example. And it's the reason why is they're going through the worst of the worst of the worst. And they're still praising God. They're praising God through the storm. And I go, God, can I be like that? Would you allow me, would you give me enough grace to the next time I deal with something major to live like that? Because that's not my natural tendency. What do I want to do when I go, when I, when, when I'm driving through life and all of a sudden the storm shows up? I, I want to run and hide. 
I want to get mad. I want to get angry. Anybody else there? Hopefully it's not just me, right? Naturally, I want to run and hide and get angry and start yelling. God, this is dumb. Anybody else honest with God? This might be your takeaway. If this, if the rest of it is not a takeaway, you can be, you can yell at God and He can handle it. Read Psalms, but I'll just leave it at that. Okay? Um, he can handle it. He can handle your gripes and say, Lord, I don't like this. And He goes, I know you don't like it. Trust me. I'm going to build your faith. Now, so let's jump into Mark 4. I love this. Jesus is in the middle of preaching, teaching, casting out demons, um, miracles, healings. We haven't, in this, in, in Mark, he hasn't fed the 5,000 yet, but uh, I'm sure he has f- provided some uh, food for people, sustenance for people. He's very popular. Then he finally says, we need to get away. How many of you guys have ever been so busy you need to get away? We need to get, Jesus goes, guys, and you might not believe this, but Jesus probably said, Peter, I'm exhausted. Can we, can we go in your boat that you've had? I've been teaching in that boat. I've been using it as a pulpit. Can I use that as an actual boat and travel across the Sea of Galilee to the other side? Can we do that? In fact, verse 35, it says, as evening came, Jesus said this to his disciples, let us cross to the other side of the lake. So what time of day is it? What is, what's he go, what's it, what's happening here? It's nighttime. The sun's going down. So he's going to the lake and he's going to cross the lake and it's going to become very much nighttime. How many of us would cross the lake at nighttime? Maybe you would. They don't have a flashlight. They don't have their cell phones with their bright lights. They don't have Wade's big spotlight. Right? Or who, somebody has a big spotlight. It's like, they don't have that. Jesus is leading them across the side, to, to the other side to be alone. But let's also note here, who is leading this group here? Who is the one that lead him into the storm? Jesus. Does God cause you to have all these storms in your life? No. Like, does God bring cancer? No. Does God allow this and that? No. Does he, does he cause it? No. Does he allow you to go through sometimes with those things? And he, do, he doesn't heal it right away. He doesn't deliver right away. He, of course. And that messes with some people's theology because they go, no, I, I, God, you're good. I'm sick. You got to heal me right now, even yesterday. And they, they struggle. They're like, oh, why? Listen to me. Jesus is leading them right in the middle of the lake. Guess what time? It's going to be middle of the night. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a, I'm not a boat. I, 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 I've been in a boat, been in Dwayne's boat. I've been in Wade's boat. It's in my yard, but I've been sitting in, my, in, the, in the boat for a sermon illustration one time. True story. I, thank you. It was that awesome. I recorded something in there. But I've been in a boat, but my, my thinking is, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably shouldn't be going in the middle of a storm in the middle of the night. Right? That's not smart. So Jesus is either completely dumb, God, he's not, he's not, he's very wise, but he's either dumb or he knows exactly what he's doing. Now, verse 36, I I, I love this little, this verse. So, because he's been busy, we need some time alone. 
So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind. See ya. We're out of here. Although other boats followed. So, you know, imagine if it was today, Jesus is going in, he's going in his car, he's going in Peter's car and they're driving down Highway 12 to get to Lewis, they're going to Court Lane or something to get away. And then they look in their mirrors and there's people behind them. There's a whole crowd of people following him to Court Lane. And he can't even, he's like, we've got this motel reserved. We've got a place to go. And Peter's like, we're going to need a lot more rooms because we didn't reserve a spot for these people. They're following him. He can't get a moment, he can't get a moment's rest. So I love verse 37 too. I love the story. It says, but soon they're on this boat. They look around. Hey, hey, Jesus, there's people following us. But soon a fierce storm Everybody say fierce storm. Why is that important? Because this is a storm that you, you, you can't bail water out of when it goes into your boat. It's too much. It's not just sprinkling. It's a fierce storm. The waves are going to be, it's, there's, you can't have enough buckets to bail the water out. They're going to die. Period. And these guys would know that because this is their fishing spot. Those guys of, those of you guys who fish and you refuse to tell your fishing spot because it's your spot or your hunting spot, this is them. This is their spot. And it says, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now, here's a dumb question, but what happens to boats when it begins to fill with water? You get more water, and then what happens? Sink. Duh, right? So here you are. You're a disciple. You've been following Jesus for, you know, a little bit. It's hard to tell how long they've been following Jesus this time. It's not always chronological, okay? Um, the thing is, they, they, they left everything for Jesus. They were fishermen. These guys abandoned this exact same lake just to get back on this lake and die. And you know, so you're in the boat with Jesus sitting there. You're going, okay, I like this. And then you're going, hey, John, do you notice that we have, hey, where's the buckets that we're supposed to bring? Oh, I, you're supposed to bring that. No, no, you're, no, Nathaniel, you're supposed to bring it. No, 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 Matthew, you're supposed to bring it. No, no, no. Nobody brought the buckets. We're going to die. Jesus, what do you do? We've seen you do miracles. Can you just dry up the water a little bit? But I, I, uh, verse 38 needs to be memorized by everybody. It is so telling about who God is. Now, before I read it, haven't we all said, and it could be a negative thing, it is a negative thing, God, it seems like you were asleep during that time. Is God asleep up in heaven? We've used that as a negative way, right? Like, are you ignoring me? Are you asleep? Do you not exist? Don't you see me dealing with this? We've all said that, whether we want to admit it or not. Okay? Some of us just don't want to be honest. Over my last 20 years of my life, there have been moments where I've really struggled, and I said, God, I prayed for this. I prayed for that individual. I fasted for that person. I stopped eating. I like food a lot, God. Like, oh. And it doesn't seem to get any better. And I start blaming God. And then I might say something to the effect of, God, were you just sleeping during that time? What's going on? And then you get to verse 38. And he's literally sleeping. Now, 
Jesus was sleeping. Pause. This verse, again, you need to memorize that. Jesus was sleeping. Why? Because it gives us evidence that God just sleeps and doesn't care about us? Absolutely not. It tells me right away, and I want to say it right now, that the fact that he was sleeping, he was, A, he was exhausted, so we can admit that. He was so tired that he didn't wake up through a storm. That's major. But beside that point, he was so, he trusted in God so much. He knew he was Lord. He knew he was in control. He knew all he had to do was stand up there and rebuke the waves and it would stop. He knew that. Because of that, he could sleep. Who can sleep through a storm? Those who have absolutely nothing to worry about. I'll give you an example. My dog. Anybody have dogs? We will sit there, and it's funny, I wish I could have a picture, but my dog, he will sleep like his arms spread out, his legs spread out. He doesn't care. He's like, no. And I say, that creature right there, that his name's Porkchop, that is the sleep of no worries at all. Because when you're worried about something, when you sleep, don't you a little toss and turn a little bit? Like, uh, You wake up, you think about that, get up a little bit. Go back to bed, you're thinking about, you're tossing and turning and worrying and fretting and my stomach hurts. Oh, I need to go to the back. Hold on, I need, but the dog was just laying there. Like, I mean, that is a sleep of no problems, no worries whatsoever. I think that's what Jesus is like. I think he was like, and he says, at the back of the boat with his head on a, what? A cushion. I've actually done some Greek studies for the cushion and it means my pillow. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it is not. I do want to try MyPillow 2.0. That's a brand new thing, but that's a shameless unpaid plug. But anyway, I have a MyPillow 1.0, and it's, it's life-changing. It is. Um, no, imagine that. He's so prepared for this, he grabs one of the boat's cushions, or either that or he brought it with him. I think I, he brought it with him, his pillow, right? You, you guys do travel a lot. Do you, get, you bring your own pillow? Do you bring your own pillow sometimes? Okay. Because the hotel, motel pillows aren't always up to, up to par, right? Like, I don't want one of those little thin pillows. I want, I want a pillow that my head gets completely covered in, right? I put my, my pillow in the dryer last night, because you can do that, and it poofs up. Like, it's like popcorn, right? It does. I'm, I'm not kidding. And all of a sudden, my head's gone. <laughs> but that's exactly what Je- Jesus was sleeping. Let's be honest, that's strange. But, Jesus is calm. By the way, here's a picture of me sleeping in my chair. Hayden took that picture. So if you go to my house and you uh, you fall asleep in the chair, he will take a picture of you. I got like four pictures of me doing that. I didn't want the other one because my gut was hanging out, and that was not good. That's a true story, too. Um, that's the sleep of not worrying right there. I had my computer open. I have headphones on. You can't, I can't see that, but... I don't know what I was watching, but I fell asleep, and I was out, and then he sent that to me later. So thank you, right? But um, why is Jesus sleeping through a storm? Because, like I said, this is a major point I want you to understand in your storm. Jesus, and I'm going to be non, this is a, for you English scholars, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be an English major here. Jesus ain't worried about anything right there. Jesus ain't worried one bit. Because those of us who, like I said, Porkchop is a great example. He 
everything is taken care of for him. He never has to pay for anything. He has no financial issues. He has no, he's not going to get divorced. He has, he's not going to get lost. He has, he's not going to get rained on. He is 100% protected. Wouldn't you want that life? Yes. That he can literally sleep. Everything's like that. And, and why can you, why, why can I do that right there? That must have been a good day. That must have been a wonderful day. And uh, that might be me later on today. But anyway, um, <laughs> but Jesus is sleeping. But what do the disciples do? Look at verse 38. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care? Everybody say that. Don't you care? Ready? Don't you care? You're sleeping. Don't you? I'd say, how can you sleep at a time like this? That's what I would want to say. But don't you care that we're going to drown? In other words, I'm going to die here and you simply just sleeping through this time. Don't you care? And I think we're all guilty of that. See, I wrote down a few things. Don't you care, God, that my marriage has been in trouble for 30 years? Don't you care? I've tried my best. She or he will not change. My relationship with this person, my boss, my son, my grandson, my, my, whatever, my, my coworker. I have tried to be a decent individual. I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried to be a Christ honoring person in that life and they will not change. My life isn't changing. I prayed that you would, Lord, would change that situation. I pray that my, whatever, I have, maybe you have constant headaches or something like that and you've been praying. God, take away those migraines. And it's still, all of a sudden you're like, I think it's better. And then the migraine starts. You're like, God, don't you care that I'm going to drown? Don't you care? Now, that's our natural human response. So don't think, don't, don't start blaming them. Because if we're honest, some of us will not want to be this, this blunt. We've all said, God, don't you care? I will not make you raise your hand for that but I will. Over the last 25 years of my walk with God, there have been moments I said, don't, because I prayed for someone really believing. And I said, this would be a great, and maybe this is my problem. This would be a great evangelistic moment right here, right in the front of everybody. And it'd be a, it, maybe it'd become a spectacle. Maybe everybody go, man, Joel's prayers are so good. Maybe it would be all, maybe it was all about me. Maybe that's the problem. But I said, God, don't you care? And then it says in verse 39, and I love this, when Jesus woke up, see, they yelled at him, and then it says when he woke up, I think he rubbed his eyes like this, like I do, splashed a little, he used the water that's in the boat to splash on his face, right? Um, and he said, he rebuked the wind. And he said to the waves, does anyone feel like that is who, what kind of powerful person is this that can speak to water? Have you tried to speak to water lately? Like, I can look at my cup of coffee and I go, you are not strong enough. Be stronger. I, I could do that. But, I mean, who speaks to the storm, literally speaks to the water, and you go, and you say, silence, be still. The real word is cease. Cease. Stop striving. Stop moving. Stop jumping. Stop moving up and down. Stop. Be still. Suddenly, See, Mark has been saying the word immediately. And he decides to shake it up a little bit here by saying suddenly. Okay, suddenly, guess 
Because Jesus said, he silenced him. Guess who had to, all of a sudden they had to stop immediately. The wind. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. See, be still reminded me of Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Have you ever heard that psalm? I love that. Because really what he's, he's when, when, psalm, when psalms are written, and he says, be still, know that I am God. When God's saying that, he's saying, be still and know that I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I'm in control. Who's in charge of the waves here? 100% of the time, who's in charge of your storms? God is 100% of the time. It's not 20% of the time. He is in control. So when you're reading Psalms next time, and you're reading Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm in charge. Understand that when you're going through trials and tribulations, they have zero, zero percent authority over your, you and your life. If you're going through something horrific right now, that doesn't seem fair. It's because God is allowing you to go through that right now, walking you through it. The question is, are you going to grab his arm? Or are you going to push him away? Because in storms, some people push away God. Why in the world would you do that? If I'm going through a physical storm, and I know someone that can even walk on water because they've seen it, who are you going to grab onto? The one who can walk on water. I'm not going to push him away. He's my safety. He's my safety net. He's underneath me. He will not let me drown if, if this storm and if I'm using that as an illustration, if the storm can overwhelm me a little bit, which sometimes it does, he's still there with me. And if it's, maybe for an example, you have, you, you got a bad doctor's report, and you're sick, and you got stage four whatever, and here's what you do. You say, God, you're, you're the Lord. You're in charge of that situation. Lord, if you want to heal that individual, if you want to heal me, Lord God, please heal me. That's my, that's my goal. Heal me, Lord. You can heal me. And say you go through life and it's not changing. What do you do? Lord God, I'm going to be still and know that you're God. What does be still mean? Don't strive. Don't try to figure out all the answers. How many of us are problem solvers? The immediate, the, the time that something happens, you got to figure it out. And you go, but I can't figure it out. It's like me trying to be a mechanic to a car. I can't do it. Does not compete. Does not compute. See, my, my <laughs> does not compute. I can ask Dwayne or some of us here, and they can go. Well, I think I know a mechanic to do it. Right? They'll do that. That's that's who I would do. But I don't have to figure out A, B, C, and D. I know who can take me through the storm. I can be still. Then he verse forty. Then he asked them, why are you still afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? In other words, you know, because reading this, wouldn't tone really matter right here in this, in this verse? How he's speaking this? How dare you? How can you not have enough faith? That's how they usually record this on film. He's saying, you know what? You can trust me. Like, if I were Jesus, and I believe that he really did say this, guess who's in the boat with you? Me. So when you're in a storm, guess who's in the boat with you in the storm? Jesus is. 
You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to have low faith. You can trust me. Then, verse 41 is an amazing verse, the end of the story. The disciples are absolutely terrified. They're actually scared of Jesus now. Because Jesus became more than just a good teacher here. I think at this story, everybody goes, who in the world has authority over water? He's more than just a good teacher. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Their lives were completely changed, this story. Now, we're going to end this with a song. On, on, and it's, it's a song that's been on my mind all week. But before that, Philippians 4, 7. It's a very cliche verse, and I love this verse. It's on mugs and magnets and people's wallpaper on their computer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Isn't that easier said than done? But keep reading it. Pray about everything. So what do you do when you're going through a storm? A, pray. Tell God what you need. And what? Second, thank him for all he has done. Worship. And then, so what do you do? You seek God. You worship God. Then what happens? Then you will. Everybody say will. You will. You will. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. His peace, this is very important. His peace will guard your hearts. His peace will guard your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We all need that. We need God to protect our hearts and our minds because we don't want to become bitter. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to do a song, and it's, I love this song. It's called, if you're a Christian for a minute, you probably have heard it. It's called, I'm going to praise you in this storm by casting crowns. And I love it. And uh, if you're going through a storm right now, I would challenge you to worship with this song.
testimony. Switch it out um, during the speaker's seat. Well, this one, hold on. Well, this 